My God is with me. So that's what we're talking about today, our focus. Um, so Jesus, um, and just kind of build what we're talking about here for just a second. Jesus told his disciples that faith like a child was essential. You know, I tried to, I did one of those, what word fits here best? Essential is probably the best word. In other words, I have to have this. I have to have this faith like a child to participate in the kingdom of God. In other words, to experience what he has for me, to receive the kingdom of God in my own life. Here's our key text, Mark chapter 10, verse 15. It says, Jesus speaking, and it's in the context of him actually being scolded by his disciples uh, not, not him being scolded, but the disciples scolding parents for bringing children to Jesus to sit on his lap and be blessed. This is the context of it. And he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Anyone that doesn't receive like a child will never enter it. It's essential. It's, it's part of the makeup of who we are if we're considering ourselves followers of Christ. The word truth jumped out at me this week as I was preparing, and in John 8, 32, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Would you just look at the person next to you and say, the truth will set you free? The truth will set you free. And so today, Jesus starts this text out, and he says, I tell you the truth. So there's a truth in the context of our text. Boy, that's a lot of text, isn't it? Context of our text. Uh, there's this truth within this that for some of us, being like a child in relationship to God is the truth that changes everything. And for some of you here today, I'm hoping that this becomes a reality. It becomes very, very life-giving for you. And so Jesus isn't telling us to be childish. He's actually telling us to be childlike. He was implying that if we're going to experience all that God has for us, we have to be like a child and completely trust in God's character. And so we're doing this whole series studying some of the characteristics of God that we should trust in and hopefully figure that out. But sadly, here's, here's the, the problem, the tension, is for many of us, we've lost our childlike faith in God's character. And maybe you're here today and you grew up maybe as a child and you had this very innocent, pure faith in God. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're just now exploring it. You're thinking about it. But, but for many of us, that's the, what happened. And we lost our childlike faith in God's character. We believed and trusted that God was truly for me and with me and loved me. But something happened. Life happened. And I think a lot of us, if we were, and I, I say this a lot, that if we were to share our story, we would have a life happened story. We would have those moments in life where things just happened, and what I used to believe about God is not exactly the same because of what happened, and now it's kind of been tainted or changed, and some of those things might have been this. Maybe you're here today, and as a child, or maybe even later on in life, your parents divorced. Life happens. Like, how would God allow that to happen? Or, or maybe, for many of us, we, we lost a loved one. And when the loved one died or passed away, we, we asked ourselves the question, or maybe we wrestled with the question for a moment, is, is God really with me, or is God for me? Does God really love me? Life happened, and I lost something. And so part of us loses that idea of this childlike faith. Or, or maybe it's you lost your job, or maybe you've lost your health, or maybe you were abused as a child or abused in life in general. And see, the reality is, is for many of us here today, the like a child thing might have been something that was part of my life, but now it's not because something happened. And hopefully through this series, we can restore that. Hopefully that can come back 
to life. And the longer you live, the longer the list grows. And our perspective of God gets tainted, it gets challenged. And tragically, and this is the tragedy of this whole illustration I'm talking about, as we conclude, I guess God just isn't for me. I guess God just isn't with me. That's what we're talking about today. And we lose our childlike faith. And Jesus says, if you're going to be with me and you're going to receive what I have, you have to be like a child. And so somehow we have to restore this idea. And again, my hope and my prayer for today and this series is that we would rediscover childlike faith or discover for the first time childlike faith in the character of God. One of the things I tell our staff all the time is I say this, I say, it's very easy to get lost in the circumstances of life and really lose perspective when really we need to get lost in the character of God. There's, there's a choice out there. Am I going to get lost in the circumstances or am I going to get lost in the character? Always choose God's character. Always choose God's character because that's what's going to help you get through it. The circumstances are going to go up and down and all over the place, but God's character will remain the same through it all. And so somehow we have to latch on to, if you would, like a child to this character of God. So last week we talked about my God is for me, and like a child I trust in the goodness of God, that God is good. Some of you right now, you might say, I don't know if he is good according to my situation or my circumstance. I don't know if he is. And again, focus on the character of God, not your circumstance. And so we talked about the goodness of God. And we talked about things like if God is for me, I don't have to hide from God. I can actually run to God. A lot of us are really good at hiding. <laughs> We're really good at, at putting on the facade. We're really good at making it look one way when really it's something totally opposite. And see, if we can come to that place in our own hearts, and our own lives, where we truly agree with and trust like a child that God is good, then I don't have to hide from him. I can run to him even when I fall down. And that's what we talked about last week. That even when I fall, I run to God. And, and then also, if God is for me, I don't have to perform for his approval. I can just live as a result of his approval. And see, a lot of us, we struggle with that. You know, can we just be honest for a second? We struggle with performance, don't we? I'm going to perform for God. You know, you're looking as a little child the wrong way. Lord, do you love me now that I performed? And the truth is, here's the truth. The truth is, is God loved you before you were born. God actually knew all about you. It says that even in the, your mother's womb, <laughs> he knew the plans for you. So it wasn't about your performance, it was really about who you are. And some of us, we get lost in performance, and we don't realize that I should be living my life in relationship to God's character, and His character is good, and He loves me not based on performance, but He loves me because I'm His child. And so we talked about that. And then and the last thing we talked about last week is if, if God is for me, I don't have to be afraid of what happens to me because I know that God's working in me. So if you're here today, and maybe you're going through a difficult time, maybe life is happening right now. I mean, we're talking about life happening and you struggling maybe with a like a child faith that it's going on right now. But if like a child, you could just back up just a step and say, Lord, I'm trusting in your character of goodness that even though it's difficult around me, you're still doing something in me, that you're actively doing something. And so we talked about that. So today, I want to spend some time exploring this idea that God is with me, that God is always near. Can you just lean to the person next to you and say, God is right here. He's near. 
The childlike faith that God wants us to have understands the nearness of God. Here's, Here's the fill in the blank for you. Faith like a child has a real awareness of the continual nearness of God. Faith like a child has a real awareness of the continual nearness of God. Now, let me just kind of break that down for just a second. A real awareness. In other words, we're not talking about some theological thought that I have in my mind that God is close. No, I actually know it. It's not something that I learned in a Bible study when I was a little kid or a little song that I might have sung. It's actually something that I know to be true within my heart that God is right here right now. I'm aware of it. It's real. It's not a dream. It's not a theology. It's not some crazy thing that I made up to make myself feel better. It's real. He is here. There's an awareness of his closeness and his nearness. And the nearness is, is he's walking with me. Matter of fact, the New Testament takes it even a step further, and he says he's in me. He's actually in me. He's part of who I am in my life and how I'm walking and living through life by his spirit. There's this nearness of God that is part of who we are. And like a child, I trust in this continual presence in my life. And let me just say it this way. It's not a moment I had. It's an always that I live in. It's not a moment I had. One day I, I felt or I sensed God's presence. I had a moment. That's something totally different. That's God revealing himself in a manifest way, for those of you that understand what I'm talking about. In other words, he, he makes it very tangible, and I can touch it and feel it. And God, in moments in time, does that in each one of our lives. There are many of us that could stand up in here and say, I knew God was there because I felt it physically or Spirits in a deeper way than I ever had. But I'm saying it's not just a moment. It's an actual always. He's always there. It's continual. So it's no matter what my circumstance or my situation, I trust completely that God is with me. That's like a child. That's what we're talking about. Now, I'm getting to the point where I really enjoy my grandkids. You know, got six of them. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, you watch out, you know, be in, be in my early 40s and have six grandkids. How's that work? All right, I might be lying a little bit there. Not about the six, but the early 40s thing. But, but my, my little bundle of joy, and she's really that because her middle name is Joy, is Ruby Joy. And, and I get the privilege of watching her every once in a while. I mean, on my day off or whatever, I might get a couple hours with her. And my, my favorite thing to do is if I can get her to fall asleep on my chest and have that bonding moment. You just, oh, it's so beautiful. You know, I'm just being having a moment here. Sorry, can you join me with that? All right. And so, but, but I noticed something about little Ruby Joy. You know, she's about, what, seven, eight months, nine months old? I don't even know how old she is right now. Ten. Well, thank you, honey. Yeah. Hey, I'm enjoying the moment. I'm not counting the days. Come on. And so I, you put her down on the floor, and we've got all these toys that we've collected from all kinds of places or wherever, and you, we kind of dump the tub out, and she just sits there, and I'll sit in the chair, and she's playing, and she's looking up at me, and she's smiling. Every once in a while, I'll lay down on the floor and play with her. And, and I mean, it's just kind of, she just really plays happily. She's a joyful kid. That's her middle name, Ruby Joy. But here's what happens. is Every time, and I don't know if it's every time, but almost every time, if I get up and I walk into the other room to get a cup of coffee, as soon as I walk around the corner, she starts crying. And I'm like, what? And then you step back in and she stops. 
you know, doing that kind of thing. And I realized she doesn't necessarily have to have me, like, hold her. She just wants to know that I'm near. And isn't that how God is? Now, a lot of us, that's what we just need to know that God's near. It isn't that he's always grabbing a hold of us and smothering us with kisses and all those other things. It's just that he's close. And like a child, we understand that he's near. He's, there's this real awareness of the nearness of God. And so hopefully that's what happens today. So, so God wants us to know that he's with us. That's the, that's the simple truth. Here's, here's a couple of scriptures that I was drawn to this week. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It says, so don't, do not fear. Do not fear. For I am with you. There's that phrase. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Which I had to look up the word definition for dismayed. It simply means to be without courage. Don't be without courage. Don't, don't be in that place. So do not be dismayed. For I am your God. It's very personal. Notice the personalness of the statement. Your God. Now, he doesn't say I am God. He says I'm your God. I'm, I'm with you in relationship. I'm with you in life. I, I, I want to be there with you. Okay. For I am your God, I will strengthen you, which alludes to that there might be something in me that's weak. I will strengthen you and help you. There, there is the illusion there that maybe there's times that we're going to struggle and we're going to have things happen. Life is going to unfold and we're going to be in difficult places and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's a great verse, isn't it? Here's, here's another one, Deuteronomy chapter 31. It says, be strong and courageous, the opposite of dismayed. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Would you underline them in your notes? Them. As I was reading that this week, I realized we all have a them, don't we? In this text, it's actually talking about the Amorites, but some of us, we have a them, and it's called my past. Some of us have a them, and it's called an addiction that I can't seem to beat. Some of us have a them, and it's, it's maybe a, a person that's constantly attacking you in some shape or form. There's, there's an obstacle, and there's a challenge to your faith and your relationship with God. There's a them. We all have a them. We need to realize that. It, it brings validity to this idea of why God would want to be with us, because we're facing them. Not that everybody around me is bad, because that's not the truth, but there's something many times that we're struggling with, and it goes on, it says, for the Lord, your God, there's that personalness, personalness, goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Which, by the way, if you go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, it's actually quoted there, and in the middle of that quote, it talks about having confidence. So somehow, this guy idea that God's with me, I have confidence. We're going to talk about that in a second. So, so when I fail to realize that God is with me, several things happen. And this is right from the text we just read. Let me, let me just give them to you real quickly. When I fail to realize that God is with me, I am controlled by fear and worry. I'm controlled by fear and worry. Some of us here in this room today have a master's degree in worry. Right? Some of you have a doctorate in worry. You're really good at worrying. And fear dominates and controls a lot of your thoughts. And a lot of that is directly related to the fact that like a child, you do not agree with or understand or aware of the closeness and the nearness of God in your life. So first, I'm controlled by fear and worry. 
Here's another one. When I fail to realize that God is with me, I try to manage on my own. God said, I will give you strength. I will give you strength. See, so many times when we think that God's not with me, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going, to, I'm going to put forth the effort. And I don't know about you, but every time I've done that, I've failed miserably. Anybody be with me on that one? Okay, just me. Thank you. I appreciate that one hand over there. The rest of you sinners will pray in just a few minutes. <laughs> that God, that we're just in that place where we try to manage on our own, and it never works. That's just a simple truth. It just never works. And it's almost like God knows that it's not going to work. Matter of fact, he does know. And so he comes to us and he says, hey, hey, here's the deal. I'm with you. I'm going to strengthen you because your ability to do it yourself isn't really well. And so as I'm with you, I'm going to help you and strengthen you and walk with you so you can manage life. All those things that are happening, we're going to get through them together because I'm going to be with you. Here's another one is when I fail to realize that God is with me, I assume falsely that God has abandoned me. God has abandoned me. Which, by the way, is many times people's faith perspective of God is built on an abandonment as a child from their earthly father or mother or in some capacity. And so that's where I think God does, too. It's not true. I falsely assume that he's abandoned me, you know, that, that somehow he's going to leave me or not be with me, you know, that God all the way through these says, I'm going to be with you. And see, we falsely assume that because I can't feel or see him clearly, he's not near how many wish that you could just feel God really radically every day? <laughs> yeah, but we don't, do we? So something, I, I have to trust like a child that he's near even though I don't feel him. I mean, so our feelings sometimes can get in the way, and we think God, because we can't feel him, is absent or uninterested, and that's not true. It's just the opposite. And there's three realities when it feels like God is not near that I need to fully understand. Let me give them to you real quickly. They're not in your notes, but you can write it down if you want. Is, number one is my relationship with Jesus has been abandoned by my own decision. That's, that's possible. The reason you feel the way you do, like you're not with God in his presence because you, in your own choice, separated yourself. Let me, let me explain it this way. Throughout scripture, it's clear that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Death, <laughs> peril, circumstance, nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loves you no matter what. Guaranteed. Forever, all the time, that's who God is. But you can be separated from his presence. Matter of fact, the Garden of Eden story is that story that because of sin, it separated me or separated Adam and Eve from the presence of God. Did he love them? Oh, deeply. But there was separation because of a decision. And see, sometimes the feeling is in conjunction with that season, that, that, that decision I've made that I have withdrawn myself from God. I thought about it. Many of you heard me tell this story. When I came back to the Lord at age 20, I'd been on a four-year drug, alcohol-induced, drug-dealing, backslidden. I was out there. I was separate. And I was hurting. And I, I remember as we were about to get a divorce and things weren't going well, I broke into our, our apartment. Actually, it was a trailer house. I broke into there and I sat in the dark and I said, God, I had peace with you for two weeks when I was 16 and I gave my life to you, but it fell apart. Where did you go? 
where did you go? I remember just almost yelling at God, where did you go? God spoke to my heart as clear as I'm speaking to you. And he said, I never left you. You left me, but I'm still here. Basically, what he was saying to me that day is, I've always loved you. (laughs) But in your own decision, you walked away from my presence. And so maybe today the feeling that you have is because in your own sinfulness, in your own decisions, you've walked away. If that's the case, it's a, it's a, it's a time for forgiveness and repentance and a walking back. Here's, here's the second one, is that because I have this feeling that God's not near, it could be that I'm in the middle of a moment of testing. It could be. See, some of you don't realize that God loves you so much that he wants to prove your love for him. He, he positions you like that. He, he does that. And so I'm in the middle, maybe, of a moment of testing, which God is using to develop greater faith and trust in the character of God. In other words, so I don't feel him for a moment so that I can learn how to truly trust him in those moments when the circumstances aren't that great, but he's still with me. Jennifer and I stumbled across this statement lately, and we use it all the time. It says, a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. So God will put us in a place where our faith can be strengthened. He'll do that. Here's the third one, is that my feelings are actually hijacking the reality of what's actually happening. (laughs) My feelings are hijacking and and kidnapping who I really am, and I'm just going on my feelings, and and it's out of control, and it's not real to what's actually happening. And here's the truth. Feelings are not always a good gauge to the realities of life. That's just, it's just not a good, they can help you, but if that's what you go on, it might not be the truth. I used to have a Ford 250 pickup. Come on, guys. Four-wheel drive. Come on, that deserves a good grunt. I mean, it was nice, 1964, four-wheel drive, lifted up, couldn't hurt it. I mean, it went like a, I almost said bat out of hell. I mean, it would just go. I mean, the thing was awesome. One problem, though, the gauge, gas gauge, was always on three quarters. (laughs) You had that vehicle? You guys had that same truck? Oh, somebody already had that truck. So it was always on three quarters. And so if you would look at the gauge, you would always think, I've got three quarters of a tank. And it would suck gas like nobody's business. And so the only way I could truly know if there was gas in it is I had a a steel rod that was about five foot long that I just left in the back of my truck. And I'd get out, I'd take the cap off, and I'd jam that thing down there, and I'd pull back out. We're good to go. I mean, so feelings sometimes aren't the best gauge. So you gotta, you got to understand what's really happening. And God is really for you. And so here's the last one. Is it, so I'm controlled by fear and worry. I, I try to manage on my own. I assume that God has abandoned me. And then the last one is I lack confidence. I lack confidence to force, face the obstacles. And see, when I realize that God is with me, the biggest benefit that I can maybe give you today is simply this. You have confidence. You have confidence that God is going to do and handle and perform the way He is because that's who I'm trusting in, not in myself. I have confidence. See, some of us in here today are really lacking confidence because we're doing it on our own. 
or we're letting fear and worry dominate us or whatever it might be. And, 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 and when I have confidence, I don't worry so much about what happens to me or what I'm facing because I know that God is with me. I'm not discouraged. I'm actually encouraged. I'm not defeated by the obstacles. I'm actually able to stand up to them, like bring it on, bring it on. It doesn't matter because I've got backup. I've got, I've got God with me. God's on my side. I mean, I'll take on whatever challenge comes my way. Matter of fact, I'll illustrate this. I've got a couple guys that are going to help me out. Come on up, guys. Come on up. This is, this is a couple guys from Nebraska City that are a part of a gang. <laughs> and so, so, so the image, yeah, just kind of, yeah, find, find your spot. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Hey, hey, what's your, what's your, what's your problem? I got no fear of you. Gentlemen, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I got backup. I got backup. I'm not afraid of some little Joe. Because I got the real Joe and the real Aaron. Who carry big bats and they're, I mean, I like, Joe, here, let me, see here, yeah, there you go. Every time I shake his hand, I always go like that because then I don't feel like a little man. <laughs> but, but here's the picture. The picture is, is God is wanting to give us confidence because he is with us. He's got our back. Matter of fact, sometimes he's in front. He's plowing the way. He, he's making it happen. But see, as a child, I, I trust in this. I trust in the fact that I've got support. I trust in the fact that my dad has it. My, my dad carries a big bat. My, my dad's able to deal with the stuff no matter what it is, if it's my past or if it's my addiction or if it's whatever it is. My God is more than able. He's got my back in this. Now, here's what happens, though, sometimes. Sometimes God is expecting me to take the first step. And he's, got, he's right there. He's not going anywhere. You guys are supposed to be pounding the bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I mean, that's just what happens. So give it up for Joe and Aaron, would you? It was easy to find guys that are bigger than me. <laughs> so we get this confidence, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's just a huge part of it. So the Bible... And I, I, I got to wrap this up fairly quickly here. But the Bible has, it's full of illustrations of confidence because of God's presence. Confidence because of God's presence. And see, some of us here today, we need to get that part of our lives like never before. Again, the hope is, is that you would rediscover this. That no matter what you're facing, because God's with you, you have confidence because God is present. And so like examples, Moses facing Pharaoh, he didn't have confidence until he realized that God was with him. When Moses was going into the promised land or leading the people, and, I, and one of my favorite f- phrases in scripture, he, sa- he said to God, God, how can I lead these people unless your presence goes with me? There was confidence in knowing that God was present. I mean, when Caleb and Joshua were getting ready to go into the promised land, finally to get there, they were confident because they knew God was with them, and they said, surely we can do this. There was confidence. One of my favorite stories is the one that we showed the little video about, was David facing off against Goliath. It's in 1 Samuel 17, and 
real simply, if you haven't ever heard it, Goliath was this obstacle. He was the Philistine. And he was coming and challenging the Israelites who were God's people. And every day he would challenge and he would defy God. He would, he would try to rip away their confidence and he was doing that. He was the obstacle. And because they were unaware that God was with them, they were discouraged and defeated by the obstacle and they would always hide. Here's what the verse says in chapter 11 and verse 24. It says, on hearing the Philistines' word, because the Goliath would come out and he would yell uh, like profanities against them and against their God. He would challenge it. And they would listen to the voice instead of listening to the voice they should have been listening to. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed. There's that word again, and terrified. And then verse 24, when the Israelites saw the man, they should have been seeing God, but they saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. goes back to what we talked about last week. They're hiding from God instead of running to God. They dismissed it. And so too often we don't see the challenges of life as opportunities for God to do something, but as defeat because we don't realize that he's with me. We're afraid and we run from the challenges in life instead of facing them. And over the years, <laughs> I've learned that when it gets really difficult, and I don't know how to say this, I get a little excited. When it gets really crazy, I get a little excited because here's what I've learned over the years is when it gets difficult and you still trust in God's character, God's going to show up. He's going to do something. I was thinking of all the different times. One of The one that popped in my head was when we went to Bible college 20-some years ago, 30 years ago. Has it been 30 years? Man, we're getting old. <laughs> I guess I have to say 30 years ago. We went to college, had nothing. And I remember, I remember just being excited about obeying God. I was excited that I was obeying God. And we'd moved our little family, jumped in a 61 Ford Falcon. With, and I don't know what I was thinking. I, I had my baby in the back. Tessa was in the back in a car seat. Right beside her was a fish aquarium with a piranha. And right, <laughs> hey, that's where I was, all right. We went rolling down there. We looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. We had it roped on the back and on the top. and We, get, we had nothing. We had $300 to our name. We got, uh, ran into a guy, Harlan Kingsrider, amazing man of God. And he said, well, I have a place that you can stay. We'll, we'll let you rent it for just as cheap as I think we pay for it or whatever. It was like $300 for a big three-bedroom house. And it was like awesome. But I didn't have any money. <laughs> And so I remember going through this, this the first month, kind of like, wow, look at us. We're living, we're living, we're living. I couldn't find a job. I didn't have any money. Jennifer kept wanting to eat. The kids wanted to eat, so we kept spending money. And our $300 just went like that. And I remember setting down like two days before the rent was due, kind of excited because we didn't know how it was going to work. And I remember praying. It was, I mean, it was the craziest thing how it happened. God was just showing us his character that he was with us. And we sat down at the dinner table, and we prayed and said, Lord, we don't have $300. This guy is really helping us out to get us in this apartment, I mean, this house. And so, Lord, if possible, would you somehow miraculously send us $300 so we can pay this bill, even if it just comes in the mail today? In the name of Jesus, Amen. Right then, as we said, amen, the little door slot on the, on the door where the mail came through popped open, slammed shut. The mailman dropped it off right when we said amen. We looked at each other. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that in itself was weird, right? 
So we go over, we grab the mail, we open it up, like, no, no $300. So then we start flipping through it, and there was one check from the insurance company that Jennifer had been employed with a couple years before that. And it was an insurance statement, and we thought, oh, great, we're, we're not getting $300, we're getting a bill, you know, we didn't pay something, right? And so, and we open it up, and long story made short, it said, you know what, we overcharged you for the year and a half that you worked with us, and so we're giving you a refund of your overpayment, and guess how much it was? $300, exactly. And so we just knew, man, look at what God's done. And so over the years, every time I've ever gotten a spot where it just got difficult, even when it hurt, I knew God was going to do something. That there's just this incredible confidence. And see, when David faced Goliath and he walked up, he's like, whoa, what's going on here? You guys are all hiding and running from this guy. Don't you know who God is? He can do anything. And so notice what David did. He, that's what was different. And so he told Saul, I can take this guy because the Lord is with me. Samuel 17, verse 37 says, the Lord who delivered me, notice he didn't think he did it, from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, which it would have been easy for him to say, yeah, I've taken on a lion, I've taken on a bear, but he knew where it came from, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul said, hey, you go, boy. Oh, that doesn't say that. It says, go and the Lord be with you. And so the key is that you and I need to begin to build our resume of God can. And God does. And God has. Just begin to build that resume. So that when you face it the next time, you know that he will. And it goes on, it says in verse 45, David is in front of the Philistine. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you, say it with me, in the name of the Lord. Because God's with me. The Almighty and the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied, David faced the challenge because he knew God was with him. See, some of us today, we need that childlike faith again. God's with me. He's with me. Let me give you four things real quickly as I close. That living like a child in the reality of God being with you, what does that mean? All right, what does that mean practically? How does that work? The first one is you need to talk to him. You need to talk to him. If God is near and I have an awareness of him, here's the normal thing. What do you do when you're close to people in relationship? You have a conversation, right? You talk. It's a little weird to be really close to somebody all the time and never say anything, right? That just, what's going on there? And so this idea that I would have a, a conversation, it's the basic response. And if you never spend time in prayer before God, you will always struggle to realize that God is near because prayer is the first step to connecting with God. You're like, I don't know how to pray. Just talk to Him. Just talk to Him. Just share your heart with him. Just open up and say, I'm struggling with this. God isn't going, oh my, you're struggling. I mean, he might actually want to help you because he's with you. And so this idea of prayer, because it's, prayer is the pathway of aligning myself with the ability of heaven. Prayer is dependence. Prayer is where it stops. Talk to him. Here's a verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about most things. Pray about everything, everything. Pray about everything. For, for, for many of us, our first step is a prayer. Or it, it's, it's worry again. And then it goes on and says, tell God what you need. Notice it isn't saying tell God what you think you need. You're telling God, Lord, you know what I need. May you do it. 
It isn't telling God what to do. It's not telling God what I want. It's actually saying, Lord, I'm presenting my life before you. And Lord, you know me better than myself. And so do what you want to do. I'm an open book. And it says, and thank him for all he has done. It's that idea of practicing gratitude instead of practicing grumbling. Come on, somebody. And then verse 7, it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. So talk to him. Here's the second one. It's listen to him. Listen to him. I need to begin to hear his voice. To hear his voice. You know, I I look back at that time that I was 16 to age 20. It wasn't that God wasn't speaking. I wasn't listening. Matter of fact, there was a few times as I look back, God was even screaming. (laughs) And I wasn't listening. Because I had the volume up so loud in my own life, I couldn't listen. I had the volume turned up so loud in my own life, I couldn't hear God's voice if I wanted to. And so we need to learn how to listen for His voice. And there's three primary ways that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word, through Scripture. He He speaks to us through His people. So if you're not interacting with godly people, that's probably a problem. And He speaks to us by His Spirit from within. Our hearts convict us because the Holy Spirit is within us. And so many times we are unaware of God's nearness, closeness, closeness, because simply we've turned the volume up so loud in our lives, we haven't tuned into God to hear His voice. Here's, here's a verse. It says, whether you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The other day I was driving down 84th Street and I heard the sirens. You know, and you're, you know how you do it when you hear the sirens, you go like... Where are they? You know, you try to figure out what's going on. Where, where's these sirens coming from? And I realized it was coming from behind me from a few blocks. And there were several cars that were kind of in the four-way. And it was pretty congested. It was right downtown. You know, I mean, there's a lot of cars at the same time. Well, everybody did what they should have did except for one car. Everybody pulled off to the side. And this one car is just sitting right there. And I look up at the one car. And you know what they were doing? They were jamming. <laughs> I mean, they were jamming. It was a young guy, and he had it cranked, man. I mean, he was like, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he was doing it, you know, going. Uh, and finally, the, 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 the ambulance got right up, like, right behind him. Long, long. And I could see his face. He's like, what? what the? <laughs> and I thought, how many of us, that's how it's happening in our life? We got it so loud, we don't even know that the sirens are going off. And so that's the picture. So listen to his voice. Here's the, here's the third one, is receive from him. Receive from him. I, te- I intentionally allow myself to receive his comfort. Check out 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. It's describing his character. It says, Who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There's something about receiving from God His comfort and His help. Now, I just ask a simple question. You know, the key to experience the fullness of God's nearness is being in a position to receive from God. What does that look like? If I'm receiving, what does it look like? That's it, right? My arms are open, my heart is open, my mind is open, Lord, to receive. I'm not closed, I'm open. I'm not resisting, I'm welcoming. 
I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking you, Lord, what do you want to do? I'm receiving. Last one is enjoy his presence. Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the heart, your heart's desire. Commit everything to, you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. And really what it's saying is the joy of my life comes from being near God, but also seeing him move through me. And I begin to look forward to those moments. I delight in that. Lord, I delight in you moving in my life. Whether it be difficult, easy, fun, happy, sad, I delight in it. Before I pray, three prayers. I think there's three groups of people in the room right now. And the first group of people is maybe you're that person that needs to return to a childlike faith. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've lost your way because something happened and you just need to simply return. Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm returning. I need to return. The second group is maybe those of you that are here today, you're hurting and you simply need comfort. You're hurting. You need comfort. And the last group is maybe there are those that are being drawn home and you need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord, you know exactly who's in the room today. God, you know what we're facing. You know what we've been through. You know everything about us, God. Your word says that you even knew about us in the womb. That nothing is hidden from you. Nothing is hidden. Lord, I believe that there might be people in this room right now that, Lord, need to make a decision in their hearts to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you again like a child. I'm going to completely welcome you like a child into my life once again, just starting to talk to you again and listen to you again and receive from you again and enjoy you again. Lord, I'm, I'm coming back. That's me. Lord, there's those of us in this room that, Lord, maybe are hurting. Maybe things are happening. Maybe those something happening things are still right in the forefront of our hearts and we can't seem to get past it. And, Lord, we're crying out to you today that you would comfort us and help us and strengthen us. Lord, let it be so. God, meet those people. Meet us. And Lord, for those that are here this morning, God, that are needing forgiveness, that maybe they've been resisting so long that, God, they've separated themselves because of their own sin to simply say, Lord, forgive me for running away from you, Lord. And may I run to you right now and receive forgiveness and healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. Lord, let it be so. Amen. 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 I want to say real quickly before I, I end today, uh, if you haven't been here the last two weeks, I've been announcing that I'm going on sabbatical. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support that everybody has been giving me. It's encouraging. Um, two real quick words is to be strong in my absence. To be strong. And how? I, I thought about it. And how do you be strong is you have a strong commitment to one another. Don't, don't let go of your commitment to one another as a church. And then a strong focus on our purpose as a church. It's, it's not about us. It never has been. Southridge Church has never been about us. It's always been about them. To help people know God, to help people find freedom, and to make a difference. Discover, grow, influence. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And may the Lord bless you, keep you. In the name of Jesus, amen.